Into a land filled with darkness came a little girl with a mission. After proving herself to be worthy and brave, she became known as Rainbow Bright. Hello and welcome once again to Robots in Your Eyes, a podcast looking at vintage cartoons through the eyes of people a little bit older than the target audience. Thank you. <laughs> but still captivated by these glorified toy adverts that we love so much. I am Jason Thompson. And I am Zoe Baker. Welcome back, Zoe. So we are once again heading to Rainbowland, aren't we? We are indeed. For the last time. For the last time, because mm. these are indeed the last two episodes of Rainbow Bright. Uh, it's one of those wonderful things that seem to be on quite a lot, and it's quite a surprise when you come back later on and realise there was only you know a dozen or so episodes of anything. Mm. Um, but yes, these are indeed the final two episodes of Rainbow Bright that we're talking about today. So, the first of them is entitled A Horse of a Different Colour. Yes, nice reference to Wizard of Oz in that title. There's no other Wizard of Oz anything really at all, except in the title. Okay, well, I uh, last saw the Wizard of Oz about 35 years ago, so I don't recall that, but... I will take your word for it. Well, you're going to have to watch it again then, aren't you? I think I may have to, yes. Well, it opens up with showing us a horse of a different colour because it's uh, early morning in Rainbow Land and there's a pink horse wandering around. Mm, not just pink, but with a pink heart on her head. Yes. And I can say her because later in the episode it is confirmed that she is a little girl horse. She is a girl horse indeed. But she doesn't do anything here apart from appear. Mm. Um. My first thought was, oh, a love interest for Starlight. Because we see this mysterious pink horse with the little heart cut with images of sprites um, paired up as apparently boy-girl sprites. And we've spoken about the sprites before that... They seem to just come in one type, um, one presentation, for many, many episodes. And then a couple of episodes ago, suddenly we saw sprites that had uh, eyelashes, lipstick, and just generally looked like cartoon shorthand for girls. And they appear again in this episode. They do, quite a number of them uh, in this episode. And as you say, the sprites are quite often paired up, boy-girl, mm -hmm. boy-girl, boy-girl, uh, because they are preparing for the sprite fair. Apparently. See, that just sounds like somewhere you buy and sell sprites. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's what's really going on, and they just We've, think they're there to enjoy themselves. We have spoken about the whole slave labour thing a few times, haven't we? There are some issues. There are some issues, definitely. But this, this sprite fair appears to be uh, a fairly standard uh, fun fair. It's got the usual uh, things. It's got uh, merry-go-rounds, roller coasters... Hall of Mirrors. A hall of Mirrors, yeah. A couple of sprites are very entertained to see themselves distorted and huge on in the mirrors. The other thing they've got is one of those... I'm not sure anyone knows quite what they're called, but the things you get at fun fairs with the hole that you put your face through to make a funny picture on the other side. It's oh, yes. very kind of Brighton Beach, you know, yeah. beach muscle man thing that you put your face through. Are they called face in hole standees? No one really seems to agree, but these are murky and lurky ones you can put your face through and you can be <laughs> murky and lurky and i did think that was really funny that's hilarious i'm i must have been looking away at that point because i completely missed that but that 
is yeah that is quite entertaining we'll go back and watch it again because it I, did make me laugh i will have to um but they're also going to have a horse race yes um there aren't many horses around it's not a big horse race but yes there's a horse race yes well so far i mean obviously this pink horse we've seen at the beginning of this episode but this is the only other horse we've seen in Rainbowland, except for sky dancer mm -hmm. and a special guest who turns up at this point and just as they're preparing for the race yes we have seen one other horse it's chris with onyx it is who we've only ever seen in the rainbow bright movie that we watched a little while ago rainbow bright and the star stealer yeah, but it was good to have them back again. And mm. uh, you know, Stormy and Sky Dancer made their debut in that in that film as well. So it was good to uh, to see them back. Starlight is all fired up because he's the most magnificent horse in the universe and doesn't really know why any other horse bothers to enter the race. Possibly a fair question. Um, well, it is as I as I noticed when we when we set up the competitors. The the competitors in this horse race appear to involve the most magnificent horse in the universe. Uh, a robot horse with rockets in its feet and a horse that judging by the beginning of rainbow bright and the star stealer starlight outruns once a year to signal the beginning of spring mm. so there doesn't seem to be much competition going on here does there is, is this more for starlight's ego perhaps i think it is starlight spends a lot of time bigging himself up and I mean, is he trying to convince someone? I'm not sure. Um, I'm starting to think he's not as sure of himself as he claims to be, or maybe has some kind of grandiosity going on. So I wouldn't be surprised if they set this up. It's like, look, it's once a year. It cheers him up. And if we don't do it, he's just going to moan. You, you know, you, you do these things. Um, yeah. It could be. But someone else is keeping an eye on this race. Gosh, who could it be? I don't no it's a mystery isn't it <laughs> could it be murky and lurky once it more? could be murky and lurky lurky's delighted because he wants to ride the horsey i've said it before many times to say it again i feel quite sorry for lurky and think he'd be very happy if you were allowed to just live in rainbow land i entirely agree with you yes uh, but murky has a plan to kidnap starlight which seems not great you know starlight is an incredibly powerful horse it just doesn't seem like it's the kind of thing that would go well. No, it doesn't. But he has a plan. Of sorts. I, I think it's quite a good plan. It involves creating a very unconvincing robot horse. <laughs> I love the fact that Murky actually goes to quite a lot of effort to make himself a cowboy costume disguise. And everyone's like... Hey, Murky. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it fools nobody. It fools nobody. But it, well, apart from Lurky, who's an idiot, because he keeps insisting that the horse might want to eat. He brings hay for the horse and he tries to feed it an That's apple. And um, when Murky's trying to put horseshoes on it, it falls towards Lurky. And you think, oh, look, Lurky, it likes me. Oh, look, Murky, he likes me. Oh, look, Murky, he likes me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's cute. He wants to feed the horsey. Um, a murky's horse is pretty ridiculous looking and he turns up at the start line and Rainbow Bright just isn't phased. 
No, and I think you've mentioned before on a couple of previous episodes, she tends to view murky as an irritation rather than a serious Yeah, she's problem. not threatened by him at yeah. all. She just says, oh, well, he's not going to win the race. You know, she she doesn't even stop him from entering. She's that unbothered. Yeah, it doesn't occur to any of them to wonder what his plan might be. But yeah, as you say, no one's fooled by his ridiculous disguise. Mainly because, uh, probably because his cowboy disguise seems to involve putting a bandana across his face and a cowboy hat on his head while still wearing all the rest of his normal uniform. <laughs> yeah. This is this is Ultra Magnus in Transformers disguising himself by putting a cowl over his head when he is really obviously Ultra Magnus kind of territory. It's you know you can't disguises in cartoons are always a bit weird. It's it's Feathers McGraw, isn't it? Pulling the rubber glove off his head. Good grief! It's, <laughs> it's you. you. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know. I mean, next you'll be telling me that that you know Superman looks a lot like Clark Kent, and if you just put glasses on, and oh my, oh. Oh, I think Zoe has just had a bit of a realisation there. <laughs> Her entire worldview has just been changed. Would you like a minute or two to come to terms with this realisation? I think I need a month or two. No, it's, <laughs> no, you're right. The, the, the addition of a hat, it's, it's, it's like Blackadder, isn't it? Don't even try to understand it, Baldrick. Two people you know well have exchanged jackets and now you don't know which is which. Yeah, indeed. Uh, this ridiculous robot horse is going is running along with boing 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 noises because it's <laughs> pounces like a sheep. Uh, yeah, it's got sort of springs in its legs. Uh, but it turns out, of course, it also has another ability when he finally gets it working by hitting it repeatedly. Mm. That it actually puffs gloom clouds out of itself, and the whole plan is to just gloom everybody so that they can capture starlight which actually is quite an effective plan because we have seen previously that inhabitants of rainbow land are easily yeah demotivated clouds. by his gloom clouds yeah it has worked before yeah he captured moonglow by using the gloom cloud on her he's used them on well he's used them on pretty much everybody before now uh lurky is watching i love this lurky is watching and he wonders if murky could come a bit closer because he's so far away Actually, Lurky hasn't got the hang of binoculars and he's got them backwards. And he uses them a couple of times through his episode and you can see him holding the wrong end to his face. And it's just... I don't think we can expect anything else from him, really. I don't think we can. Well, the gloom cloud starts to uh, affect the spectators for the horse race. Mm. Actually, talking of the spectators and the horse race, I want to back up a minute. And when, when the introduction happened, Twink got on the bandstand and introduced all the competitors for the horse race. And we were talking before about um, the very uh, obvious presentation of boy sprite and girl mm. sprites. But when Twink got up on the bandstand, his introduction was, ladies and gentlemen, sprites and uh, sprites. Mm. Which is odd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could be wrong and they're not supposed to be boy sprites and girl sprites. But for a cartoon from the 1980s, it's... That's how it was. That's how it was presented. And yeah, and yet he says that it's not it's not entirely clear how it works. It's not. We haven't seen any baby sprites thinking about it. Do they have families? I don't know. And I well, I think we've already discussed on a previous episode what what happens to the colour on a sprite. Oh, yeah. If you if you get a red sprite and a blue sprite, you get a purple sprite. Yeah and you know what Maybe happens what happens if a blue sprite and a red sprite have a green baby who's uh... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 
Maybe it's not allowed. Maybe they're segregated. Ooh, that's not a nice thought, is it? Well, you say that, but it is worth noting that on all the Boy Scout, all the Boy, Boy Scouts. Did they dumb? All the uh, boy sprite and girl sprite pairings that we see in this episode are the same colour. I think we come back to something we asked, I think, in probably the first episode. Is, are sprites racist? Apparently, yes. Apparently they are, yes. But anyway, Murky's gloom cloud is affecting all the spectators and Rainbow decides that she will stop him. So she fires a rainbow from her colour belt and then runs into a small problem in that they're on a circular track. And so they just run straight into the gloom cloud mm. and it immediately causes Rainbow and Starlight and Chris to get all gloomy and Onyx even starts to malfunction mm -hmm. in the gloom cloud. But it has no effect on one of the other competitors, does it? No, uh, Stormy and Skydancer um, saved the day at this point. Um, interestingly, the pink horse that we saw early on has no part in the race. I really thought that she was going to turn up and be part of the race. Yeah, I did as well. Um, but, of course, um, Stormy and Skydancer, clouds is what they do thunder clouds that kind of thing so they also therefore seem to be immune to gloom clouds yes and i thought that was a nice little touch because stormy says you're not going to let a little cloud stop you are you and rainbow says oh it's easy for you to say you like clouds mm. and then i mean it didn't amount to anything because murky's plan still came off but at this point it was like the <laughs> was going down because stormy said i you don't like murky i can because i can bleep it out <laughs> Yeah, well, at this point, Stormy really demonstrates some power she's got. We'd seen her in the movie um, dancing about, making thunderclaps and everything. But this is full-on storm clouds roll in. You know, this is uh, X-Men kind of stuff. You oh, know? yeah, this is this is Storm in X-Men. Yeah, up. and lightning strikes down from her hand, and she's just got it going on. And I think it's the first time that we've seen uh, a colour kid have that kind of power yeah is stormy a color kid though is she not maybe in the antithesis know. of rainbow bright in some respects but the team. she's part of the team she is now certainly mm. um and yeah this this you think wow this is actually pretty damn scary i'm glad you're on our side kind of territory mm, yeah uh, don't upset her but uh lurky comes in with the grunge buggy with a trailer on the back of it with a horse mm -hmm. box on the back of it. And he's very excited running up with a, um, a lasso. Going, I get to ride the horsey. I get to ride the horsey. And it's then an he... Excellent impression of him. Well done. And then he manages to get the wrong horse. Yeah. Uh, Murky is not impressed. Not this one. Which one then? Well... <laughs> well, there's one other horse right here. <laughs> uh, but Murky grabs Starlight by the mane and drags him to the grunge buggy and uh, Lurky takes Onyx to the grunge buggy and they drive off and uh, and leave everyone in a cloud of gloom. And that's dun dun dun. But the pink horse has been observing. Creepy. <laughs> As she runs off after the grunge buggy, uh, there was a moment here where the gloom cloud has dispersed. Everybody's like, oh my God, Murky's got starlight. What are we going to do? Uh, we'll never find them. Where are they taking them? And I was thinking, where does he always take everybody? <laughs> but I must admit, 
following the episode along, he didn't take them back to the pits. No. Which is unusual. It is. I'm not sure why. Uh, because the plot required him to take them somewhere else. Ah, uh, that's a very good reason. Thank you. Because if he'd taken them to the pits, the resolution of this plot could not have happened. <laughs> no. Um, well, and, and again, we're back to the gloom cloud. Yeah. His plan is to uh, basically use Onyx and Starlight to turn a big wheel to blow a fan which will blast a cloud of gloom all over Rainbow Land. I'm not sure about this. It just seems a lot of trouble and a bit of a waste. You've got the most magnificent horse in the universe and a robot horse with rockets for legs and he's making them turn a wheel. Given that we've seen Murky quite a few times make quite impressive robots and vehicles, it just seems like he could have done that in a much easier way and could have better uses he could put those horses to. Yeah, it's a rather odd little plan that he's got going on there. Um, but back in Rainbow Land, I actually really liked this um, this bit. They talk about forming up a search party um, and without Starlight, they'll never catch up. But Rainbow says, well, Skydancer, we'll take Skydancer and Stormy um, seems like she's being quite standoffish. You're always telling me how Starlight is the best horse there is, and now you want to ride my horse. Stormy, they're getting away! I didn't say no, did I? I quite like that little moment there between those characters. I would have done, but I'm petty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that petty. <laughs> I'm not that petty. I was going to say, if the whole world was in danger, I like to think you might let people ride your horse. I don't know, they might have to ask nicely and grovel a little bit. I, that's fair I think enough. she's got a point, though, that... You know, it, it's Stormy and Skydancer have been lacking a little bit in recognition. Yes, I think it's good that they got quite a bit more to do in this episode because we've seen them pop up a couple of times in other episodes. Mm -hmm. But they don't actually do anything. They're just kind of there. Well, a couple of episodes ago, all we saw was like the back of her head and, and that was about it. Yes, they just pointed at a rainbow that went over. That was. Yeah, so it's nice to see them being very active and actually doing something. Yeah, it, it definitely is. There's a really weird moment where the rest of the colour kids and sprites get together and Twink is trying to corral them from the from the stands and he's so busy jumping up and down going, ah, bah, 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 he fails to notice that they've all gone. Mm. And then he sort of looks around and isn't sure what happened and that's kind of weird. Well, I wasn't sure what happened because we see the crowd of colour kids and they zoom away in a cloud of dust in an instant. We have never seen the colour kids move that way. They yeah. run and jump and walk like humans do. To suddenly go zip and, and just vanish like that is not something we've seen before. It was rather odd. Um, it, it was kind of jarring. It didn't suit the animation style we've seen previously. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But... Uh, Rainbow, Stormy and Skydancer have uh, trudged up into the mountains trying to follow the trail and then they encounter this pink horse mm. and apparently this is a horse that's been popping up in Rainbowland every so often probably because it likes starlight mm. and the sprites have named her Sunriser because she's always around in the mornings mm -hmm. apparently she knows every inch of the mountains so they're not in the pits they're in the mountains which 
I suppose makes sense because the colour caves appear to be up a mountain near Rainbow Land, so maybe they've mm. gone that way instead. But this horse knows where Starlight is but wants to carry Rainbow herself. So Rainbow gets on the pink horse and sends Stormy back to get the others. Not that I think she actually does. I think the others don't actually contribute much to the proceedings, really, from this point onwards. No, they don't. Each of the colour kids got a little bit of screen time. You know, we saw them and heard some of them speak, but again, they don't actually do much to save the day or advance the plot. No. The pink horse, however, saves the day very much so because she takes Rainbow to the mountain where little puffs of gloom are coming out of the crack in the rocks. Mm. And Rainbow can see that Starlight and Onyx are down there. And Sunriser, we'll call her Sunriser from here on, I think, mm -hmm. kicks over a rock which diverts a stream of water conveniently right into the spout of Murky's gloom machine, making it turn off. And then a bright rainbow comes through the ceiling of the cave and Lurky is so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why they couldn't be in the pits, because... As we've seen before, and as Rainbow reminds us time and time again, she has no powers in the pits. Her powers do not work in the pits, so she couldn't have rescued anyone this way. Well, Murky isn't sticking around to challenge her at this point. He gives up straight away, grabs the machine, and they both run away. He's many things, but he's not hes not stupid in that way. No, he's not. He, he knows when he's beaten and when to clear out. Mm. Starlight is delighted that Rainbow came to rescue him until she turns up on the back of another horse. Oh, is he jealous? He's actually quite cold and rejecting. It really annoys him. He is an absolute... You can't say that either. <laughs> I can bleep it out. <laughs> no, he was actually very cold and uh, rude and... Well, had a bit of a tantrum about it, really. He, he, stormed away. He, he stormed off. He ran away. Well, while they're all out looking for Starlight, and uh, Murky decides that if everyone's out looking for horses, that means Rainbowland is his for the taking. Dun, dun, dun. That has literally never worked, but he's giving it a go. Well, yeah. Uh, and he's quite surprised, though, when Lurky comes along and goes, Oh, look, a horsey. Horsey? <laughs> what? Oh, no. <laughs> And yeah. Starlight is pounding down the road towards them. And he's decided that if Rainbow is going to go with another horse, he's going to show her how magnificent he is and deal with Murky himself. See, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about him actually being quite fragile. Um, he's very grandiose and talks himself up a lot, but he feels he's got something to prove. It didn't really take much for him to to feel very rejected and you know, like he had to do something. Yeah, I mean, you'd think he would have been a bit more grateful because, yeah, Rainbow was on the back of another horse, but since he wasn't there, what was he expecting her to do? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it would have been far more sensible for Starlight to say, oh, hey, great, let's team up. And as we've seen before, the message of this show very much has been teamwork, helping each other, um, although having said that, if Starlight had done that, he wouldn't then have found Murky and Lurky in Rainbowland and chased them. That's very true. And he chases them on a roller coaster. 
because Murky apparently doesn't realise it's a roller coaster and jumps onto this vehicle and then suddenly realises, oh no! <laughs> and they go flying around the track and then he decides that there's a there's a little tower um, up there, which I think might have been... Oh no, it's a bit high for that one, actually. There's a tower up there anyway and he decides that he'll the, the horse will never catch them on top of the tower. Not sure what his plan was other than stand on top of the tower where the horse can't get us, but... Yeah. There we go. But he jumps off the roller coaster onto the tower. And then so does Lurky. Which goes about as well as anything that ever <laughs> involves Lurky jumping anywhere goes. Yeah, it just comes crashing down in a pile of matchsticks. Um, and they end up falling through the roof of the Hall of Mirrors that we saw earlier. They do. And um, the animation in this episode is a, is a bit of a mixed bag. Um, there was there were some issues at the beginning I noticed with the quality of the film prints that they'd used for this transfer for the DVD because there was a lot of dirt and sparkle on it mm. and every time the um, I suppose camera it's not really a camera but you know what I mean panned across the scenery it was very wobbly yeah the music was a bit wobbly as well although you said before you never noticed that but no, I don't think so I don't think that was particularly good some of the because you mentioned while we were watching it, some of the animation of the horses was a bit off. Yes, that's something we've talked about before, that in previous episodes, the Starlight in particular was animated really very well as a horse. You, you know, it's like a quite a fine way of doing him. But the close-ups on his face and Sunrise's face just look really blobby and badly proportioned. And it just looked odd and I, I couldn't work out why the, like the eyes were in the wrong place the nose was too short it just looked really blobby and I don't want to say the word cartoonish because it is a cartoon <laughs> but having gone from previous episodes where the drawings have been very fine and anatomically really good it just seemed a little bit blobby it was a bit jarring um I, you know they maintain the quality of the horse outline in the long shots and everything mm -hmm. it's still very very well animated horse but yeah the close-ups of the face the eyes were a bit big and it, it wasn't right but then i think the animators did a really nice job in the hall of mirrors bit with all those murkies and lurkies mm. reflected all over the place um, and i also thought that they decided that their favorite bit of animation was murky's mechanical horse earlier because that was really nicely animated very crisp and very straight lines good mm. good animation on that uh, but yeah some of the other animation a bit a bit iffy mm. but in the hall of mirrors murky challenges starlight who is standing there says he'll never catch him and then turns around and runs into the actual starlight because of course he was challenging a reflection mm. Um, and Starlight grabs Murky and drags him out. And as all the others come back, he says, well, look, Rainbow, I apprehended Murky myself. So there, nah, I am magnificent, blah, 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 blah. Look, look, aren't I great? I mean, he doesn't say exactly that, but that's the, that's the text. That's the subtext of what he's saying. Mm. And um, it... Starlight needs a lot of external validation. He does, and now he seems to have got this out of his system, he does concede that Sunriser did help a little bit. And she nuzzles up to him, and he kind of lets her, and Murky is disgusted by love. Of course he is. 
it doesn't bode well for the relationship between Starlight and Sunrise, though. How so? Starlight's going into it being like, oh, I'm so great. Sunriser saved the day. He was very cold towards her and conceded the most minuscule amount that she did, you know. And I think that we've all had friendships and relationships with people who start off by putting us down and it never gets better. This is me with my adult head on looking at it and thinking girl you can do so much better starlight's waving a lot of red flags yeah i mean he may be the most magnificent horse in the universe but oh boy that doesn't translate to being a good catch no no absolutely not um i i have met few people who tell me they're wonderful who actually were quite annoying after a while well i mean it's a it's a common thing which i've said before and you've said before and we've seen plenty of people say before and had examples of in our lives if you are actually wonderful nice great strong etc whatever you generally don't have to shout about it yeah it's great to believe good things about yourself i'm not in any way saying that you shouldn't think yeah, I did something well, I performed something well, I worked hard on this. But if you're using it to put down other people to elevate yourself, it is not a nice interaction. It is not. And, I mean, Starlight has... I mean, he's set the bar so high. I mean, the most magnificent horse in the universe, that's a high standard he's set himself. But he is being backed up by everyone around him who keeps assuring him that, yes, he is. That's very true. And, you know, in his defence, he can run on rainbows, which I'm not aware of any other horses being able to do. That's the thing. There is plenty of evidence here to say that Starlight is a pretty fantastic horse. Oh, he's definitely a fantastic horse, but maybe not. He doesn't have to be quite so up himself about it. He doesn't have to put down Sunriser for it. And But as I say, this is very much me coming at it from with an adult head and there's another part of me saying Zoe it's a kid's cartoon it's a kid's (laughs) cartoon and uh, I must admit that as a kid I would have wholeheartedly agreed with Murky that love was disgusting when I watched it you do at that age don't you yeah well I was uh, you know it was what 1986 I was a seven year old boy yeah Yeah. love is oh girls (laughs) oh no it's not good it's not good we set them up so early to be like that did you not play kiss chase No. But that was the end of the episode. So what did you think of A Horse of a Different Colour? Um, I didn't think that enough happened. I didn't get a real sense of peril. I mean, watching Starlight be led away and put in that horse box was kind of shocking in a way. And... I still have reactions to anything that involves horses suddenly going all gloomy and down because people of a certain age, never-ending story, we all remember that scene. (laughs) And I I think we mentioned it before, maybe in the movie, or one of the episodes where something similar happened. It's all very upsetting. So I I still have quite a reaction to that. Um, But I I just felt like it was another episode where it seemed like more of a B-plot. See, I rather enjoyed it. Um, I thought that there was plenty of excitement. I love that there was more emphasis on Stormy for a while during this episode. And, oh, boy, is she scary when she's annoyed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 
it's nice to see her actually unleash some real power to see someone other than rainbow bright doing something really powerful yeah throughout this whole series the good has been the bright colors and the rainbow not the dark gloomy clouds but it was good to see that stormy is not affected by murky's gloom clouds it's a useful bit of information actually considering that's his kind of basic go-to just about all his devices have relied on some kind of gloom cloud gloom spray something to know that she's got some resistance to these things is actually pretty useful information it is but it also does leave open a big question which is if rainbow's power doesn't work in the pits but stormy is unaffected by murky's gloom why don't they just send Stormy in every time to get people out of the pits? Why don't they just send Stormy in to just rain down hail and lightning on Murky's castle? Well, yeah. Why not? Maybe Stormy has done that a couple of times. Maybe he's developed a countermeasure. Mm, he probably has, actually. Some sort of invention that shoves up a giant umbrella on a big hand or something. Yeah, or he just sends Lurky up with one. <laughs> Hey, Murky, I'm playing in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> Regrettably, we will never know, for there is only one more episode to go. Shall we tackle that final episode? Yes, let's go for it. Okay, so the time has come. It's the end of everything. Well, it's the end of Rainbow Bright anyway. We're on to the final episode. I genuinely feel a bit sad about it. I've really enjoyed doing these. And it's just, when you consider how few episodes there were, uh, I think we spoke about this a little while ago, that it was it seemed like a really huge thing rainbow bright seemed to be everywhere when i was a kid maybe because i was so into it i don't know but only 13 episodes like so many other things we mentioned like 40 towers things like that have become huge although having said that i've spoken to friends about doing this podcast and very few of them remember rainbow bright which really surprised me mm, that is odd because it was so big at the time yeah i mean Someone said to me a little while ago, oh, well, I'm, I'm a bit older than you. I think she's only, I don't know, five years older than me, if that. Um, see, now I'm hoping that she doesn't listen because I may have got her age completely wrong. But she, said, <laughs> she said, I am a bit older than you. But there's not a great deal of difference between us in age, and yet it completely passed her by. It seems like maybe there was just a really narrow range of kids who got into it. But it, to me, it seemed huge yeah i i certainly thought it seemed to be everywhere there's loads of toys all over the place and all that kind of thing and it was on quite a bit as i remember from that time it was i was certainly very much aware of it i'm really surprised that there were only 13 episodes looking back on it now because if you'd asked me before i rewatched them as an adult i'd have said oh there must have been half a dozen seasons there must have been 30 episodes there must have been so much more because you know when i think of all the toys i had the the dolls and the coloring books and the art set i had a rainbow bright art set um i even had one of those Viewmaster things with oh, you know, yes. the pictures and i loved those because the colors were so bright i loved bright colors actually i still quite like bright colors um much like lurking look at all the pretty colors um <laughs> 
I kind of wish I still had it because it was really very lovely and it just seemed like a huge thing and I just feel like re-watching these and doing this podcast has gone by really quick yeah it certainly seems to have uh, to have sped by um, but here we are at the final episode entitled Queen of the Sprites and uh, it's night in Rainbowland, and a spaceship flies past. We've seen a few spaceships in this series, haven't we? And they've rarely been anything good. They've rarely been anything good. Um, uh, but Puppy Bright hears it, and incidentally is referred to by name on screen by Rainbow Bright for the only time. It's not very inventive in naming her pets. No, not really. Um and puppy really i mean how old is this dog is it really a puppy is it going to keep the name puppy forever well considering that we've already seen that the color kids are apparently thousands of years old and yet appear to be small children maybe the same thing is for puppy bright maybe he is a, a thousand year old eldritch horror who merely appears to be a puppy well thank you that's a lovely <laughs> thought um... <laughs> i am knickknack but Puppy Bright hears a noise and barks to wake up Rainbow Bright. But Rainbow... Just dismisses him. What's the point of a guard dog? Well, <laughs> you yeah. just stop if you ignore him. Exactly. Just ignores it completely. Assumes he had a bad dream and goes back to sleep. Yeah, it's not like a cat who will quite often randomly scream at nothing. Um, now we're going to get people emailing in talking about all those cats that have woken people up because of house fires or the baby's sick or something. But... Yeah, yeah but been... on the flip side, we're going to get the people emailing in who have guard dogs who sat and watched while the burglar ransacked the house and then just licked them friendly. Actually, <laughs> I did know someone that happened to. She had a Rottweiler and someone broke in while she was asleep and nicked her telly and the dog never did anything about it. <laughs> 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 it's just, well, it's a load of good, isn't it? Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, not only has a spaceship gone zipping over, but a large bright star loses all its colour. That's not good. That's not good. So the next morning, uh, Twink is loading up huge sacks full of star sprinkles for her and Starlight to take to recolour that star. But, of course, this means Rainbow Bright is not in Rainbowland. Yeah, see, at the time I thought, surely, because she mentions it was a yellow star, surely she only needs yellow star sprinkles, but, of course, stars have body radiation and they do actually have all the colours in the spectrum so she did need all those star sprinkles and all the colours well absolutely <laughs> I literally just thought oh yeah actually yeah. that's the thing yeah um, uh, bit of also... physics lesson there chaps <laughs> yes hope you enjoyed it um, we also see that Twink has a fun little sports car because he realises they're going to need a bunch more star sprinkles if Rainbow's taking so many with her Yes, and he is. Uh, we get to see Twink the slave driver again. Again, yes. As he drives into the mines and shouts at the uh, sprites to get more star sprinkles. And he's not happy because there's a truckload of colour crystals, which is only half full. Mm. The colour crystals seem very muted in this episode. They're more pastel shades. They did, didn't they? Because previously when we've seen them, they've been very strongly coloured. Um, I noticed some of the other animation had changed as well, actually, because... Uh, when we were watching a previous episode a little while ago, Star Sprinkled, I noted that the little hard hats, the protective helmets that the minor sprites wear, allow their antennae to uh, poke out the top, which I found ridiculously cute and I really liked it. 
in this episode that doesn't happen presumably their antennae are squished under the hat because they're not visible also noted that all the sprites are wearing belts and little pouches and I think it was back in season one we noted that only the special sprites who seemed to be specifically assigned to help a colour kid had those the other sprites didn't wear any kind of belt or anything at all yeah yeah there's definitely some uh, some upgrading happening maybe they unionized i'd like to know what the little pouches are for because i, I must admit the the thin little belt with the little star-shaped pouch there's a part of me thinking I, I, I would quite like a little star-shaped purse i don't know what i would put in it but i would like one maybe they've got their lunch in there a cornish pasty or something <laughs> We don't know oh. what sprites eat, but we know they're no. we, well. We know they're a vegetables because part of the fun fair there was a giant vegetables thing going on in the yeah. previous episode. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, things like food and it's not really been covered. But I, I'm just curious as to why that was done. That there has been a, a shift in the animation style and how the, the sprites are presented. There has there has definitely been such a shift and. Twinks ordering the sprites to work and they are spouting back in gibberish and I like to imagine that they're telling him where he can go. I don't know if they'd be brave enough because In they, no uncertain terms. They do do as he says though. They do head back into the mine pretty sharpish. They do, and he tells them that if there aren't enough colour crystals in where in the areas they're mining, go deeper into the mine and mine there and this is this is i mean it's a shame it's the final episode because this is raising the specter of limited resource i thought the same thing actually that you know and in some ways it's kind of topical at the time the thing is during the 1980s in this country a lot of mines were being shut down partly for political reasons and partly because you know we were running out of some of the resources and it, nowadays i think it's definitely something we're more aware of the 80s probably were a time when people were becoming a lot more aware of the damage to the environment i think it started a, a while earlier but it was becoming a lot more prominent um acid rain i remember being a big problem which actually doesn't seem to be a problem so much anymore uh the hole in the ozone layer all these things i remember from childhood so there is a point that gets glossed over here that are we soon to see the strip mining of rainbow land Rainbowland fracking. Yeah. I, it's, uh, it's, I. Uh, well, it's the final episode, and we'll we'll never know. Maybe that's why it's oh, the right. final episode. They ran out, and Rainbowland actually ceased to exist. Is this why everything's so crap now? Could be. It could well be. Well, the sprites go further back into the mines, into some very dark and dreary-looking caverns, because everywhere else is all very colourful. Mm. We've seen before, they've been hacking away quite happily at some brightly coloured rocks. Uh, but this is all very dreary. It's got bats and all sorts in it, and they think, like that, that. They, think that they might be able to find something, and they, they start to work, and then we see that somebody is standing over them. Mm-hmm. And they look up. And who is it? Who is standing over them? Who is standing over them? The Princess and Count Blog, who we saw in Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer, which is the movie. We did. So the evil villain of that movie has returned for the final episode. Which really confused me because when I, I rewatched these a few years ago um, and I worked my way through the episodes without seeing the movie. And I was very confused at this point because it's clear we're meant to know who she is. 
having done a rewatch of everything and seen the movie and seen it all in the correct order, it's fine. Yeah. Well, she has come looking for diamonds to get her power back because, of course, at the end of the well, at the end of the Star Stealer, it looked like Rainbow Bright had killed her because her ship blew up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how she got out of that. That's a uh, we'll tell you later, or maybe it was all a dream kind of moment. I'm not <laughs> there, sure. There must have been an invisible escape pod. <laughs> <coughs> Villains always have that. But uh, the plan is to get some diamonds to recharge her magic stone, which we saw that a lot of her power was dependent on in the in the mm. movie. Uh, so she tells the sprites to start digging and of course the sprites go well no, no. <laughs> and uh it's great because count blog says don't you know who this is yes don't you know who i am who am i don't you know who she is yes don't you know who i am who am i well <laughs> your highness i am the queen of the sprites <laughs> yes he has to prompt her he's the one who comes up with this plan actually yes. she just wants to go in there just shouting at them and thinking that'll get things done he's the one that decides to announce that she is the queen of the sprites and therefore they have to obey yes and if they don't he will turn them all into frogs well they argue a bit um, but he grabs one of the sprites after a bit of a chase through the mine he grabs one of the sprites and disappears into a cavern behind the princess. And when he emerges, he is holding a frog. I like frogs as well. We've got bats, we've got frogs. This is good. Would you like to go and live in that mine then? No. Well, we have apparently had a sprite turned into a frog. And this terrifies all the other sprites. So they start working because he says, I'll do the same to all of you if you don't mind the diamonds. This is one of those things I, I always, I know it's supposed to be, you know, coercion and everything else, but it always gets me how often they use a threat like that that will basically stop the workforce from actually being effective anyway. So if you mm -hmm. don't mine, we will turn you into frogs. All right, but then we can't mine. So what do you get out of that? <laughs> yeah, although it's the kind of thing I have seen people do I'm, I'm not gonna be able to come up with an example now but you know if you don't do this i'll do that to you it's like you, you know that will bring about the same result right yeah <laughs> um yeah but it works and i think partly because as we've seen before and in this case sprites are very easily frightened yes they are indeed well without color crystals being mined it would seem that Colours in Rainbowland are fading. Shy Violet notices a patch of flowers that are losing their colour. Yeah, it seems like Rainbowland needs constant topping up, which raises further questions. But I also noted that Shy Violet simply states this as fact. And previously we picked up on Shy Violet's habit of being the one who says a lot of scientific buzzwords, basically. She's the one who's looking for complicated explanations you see it quite a lot in any kind of comedy or cartoons where someone with a scientific mindset says a load of, of science words and everyone's like, uh-huh, and just kind of dismissive, which annoys me for reasons. But they seem to have abandoned that. I kind of expected Shy Violet, based on her previous characterization, to say something about quantum levels or something, you know? Yes, 
Yeah, no, I I noted that as well, that she's just... They've basically forgotten her unique personality feature, and it's just she's just one of the colour kids. It could have been any of the colour kids making that observation. Yeah. It doesn't have to have been Shy Violet. Um, but, yeah, I know what you mean about that trope. You see it a lot where people will give long explanations and somebody will say, what's that in English? Yeah, and that's and rude. And I, I want to go back to people who say things like that and say, I said it in English. Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, that is very rude and, and I mean, it, it, invalidating. Yeah, and it, it it feeds into that other comedy trope, doesn't it? Of, uh, activate the contrafibrillator and... Uh, decouple the thermo-induction units and so on. Reverse the polarity! Reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. How do I do that? Press that red button. Yeah. It's it's that kind of thing. Although, you know, we we talk about that as a comedy trope and and how irritating it is. I have actually been teased, picked on, I don't know what the right phrase is, for using long words in a meeting. Same. At a job where the meeting was to discuss the data that we'd done from our experiments in the laboratory. I was pulled up for using long words in a scientific meeting and I was not impressed. Um, But unfortunately, the person doing it was a manager, so I couldn't say anything at that time. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was one of those kids that picked up words, liked words, used long words. And it was definitely something that as a teenager older men would be like oh that's a big word and I really wish that at that time I had had that brilliant line that Tiffany Aching says in one of the Terry Pratchett books where she says no it's not a long word patronizing that's a long word and I really wish I could go back in time and give myself that line yes and I think that's the thing the French call uh le spirit d'escalier uh and it, yeah but I didn't even have any I don't even know if it was written or that. that probably would have been but I, I don't know but yeah, so any one of the colour kids could have noted that, but clearly it's a problem. It's It does seem to be that if the colours fade completely in Rainbow Land, they'll be gone forever. Yes, and it does raise... I mean, it's, looking at it from today's perspective and especially my professional uh, responsibilities, Rainbow Land appears to be unsustainable. It does, very much so, and it does seem to be on the edge of of collapse very often. It, it doesn't seem to take much. I was going to say, Rainbow's only been gone five minutes. Five minutes, and colours are fading already. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's not great. Well, someone else has spotted that the colours are fading in Rainbowland, and he's delighted by it. Was he hiding in a bush again? I, I don't recall. They weren't hiding in a bush this time. <laughs> no, he was on a mound with a telescope. Mm. With a rather odd, curly-whirly kind of telescope, which he then falls off the mound and ends up stuck in. Mm. Uh, But, of course, Murky decides that whatever it is that's causing the colours to fade, he has to make sure that it continues to cause the colours to fade. So -hmm. they head off up to the colour cave to find out what is going on. And, of course, Murky and Loki had also met the princess in... The movie Rainbow Bright and Star Stealer. Um, he hadn't impressed her very much. No, he hadn't, because as he'd said, I've been fighting Rainbow Bright for years, and Count Blog pointed out, well, why haven't you actually managed to stop her then? To which he didn't have a reply. It's a good question. It is. Well, Twink is also heading up to the colour caves to find out what's going on and why the sprites haven't come out, and he moans that they never work when he's not there. What a. We've had bosses like that. 
Ah, what a, what a, but he's very surprised to find that they are mining, but he's disgusted to find they're not mining colour crystals, they're just mining diamonds. Worthless diamonds. Worthless diamonds. <laughs> and uh, he asks what's going on. They tell him about the Queen of the Sprites, and he's confused by this. There's no Queen of the Sprites, what you want about. You, you'd think some of the Sprites would have realised that they might have heard about this Queen before, but never mind. But Count Blog came over and captured Twink and took him back to that cave and once again emerged holding a frog. I can't remember. Did Twink meet the princess and Count Blog in the movie? Does he recognise them at this point or are they just strangers to him? I can't remember, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, they all rolled into one after a while. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. Should have checked that. But should have checked that out. But it doesn't matter because he doesn't have time to do anything because Count Blog grabs him and gags him and then apparently turns him into a frog. Now, I thought at this point, it's interesting that every time he turns a sprite into a frog, he disappears out of sight and then re-emerges with a frog. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's actually something else going on here. Mm. Well, it turns out that there is... Um, because we do later find out that the two sprites that he supposedly turned into a frog are simply tied up and gagged in the cave. Which makes you wonder, where was he getting the frogs from? Do you know, I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that, but that is a very good does question. Does he have an inexhaustible supply of frogs? Maybe he does, or maybe he just has one very well-trained frog that sits in his <laughs> robe. It's like, okay, we're doing the turn people into a frog's thing again, yeah? Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, right, right, cool. fine, fine. Cool. Oh, you good? Yeah, you good? Well You're coming out? Great. You know, yes. Well, I'll, I suppose I'll... if you can pull a rabbit out of a hat, then, or a dove out of a bag, then a frog out of a cloak. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Murky and Lurky arrive and Murky recognises the princess because, mm. as you said, they've met before. And uh, Lurky is delighted because maybe he can wear a crown. <laughs> and uh, he just manages to give away their position because, you know, as quite often happens. Well, he's the, not stealthy. He never has. No. Happens. Well, he's big, fluffy, bulky and thick as two short planks. So. I love him. But he is very lovable. He is. He's really sweet. Uh, well, the princess and Count Blog are not happy because they remember Murky and Lurky. Murky and Lurky were going to help them capture Rainbow Bright and they failed. Mm. And uh, Count Blog picks up Murky, is holding him about to throw him into a river when Murky overhears the princess saying that she's looking for Rainbow Bright. Apparently the princess didn't realise that she'd landed in Rainbow Land. And Murky points out that he can show her exactly where Rainbow Bright is. And, of course, that gives him a stay of, well, execution's too strong a word, but it does prevent him being hurled into a river. Why would she trust him again? Um, answers on a postcard, too. Yeah. That's very 80s appropriate, isn't it? No one does answers on a postcard these days. <laughs> remember, remember stamp self-addressed envelopes that you'd send in? <laughs> I remember 0181 8181 8181 God, we're old. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, they decide that they're going to go to Murky's castle, in inverted commas. Oh, because, of course, we know what the castle looks like. And the princess gets all excited, like, a castle at last. And Lurky's like, oh, yeah, a castle at last. And I'm thinking, oh, dear, because we know what their castle looks like. And it's it's a crumbling 
ruin. Yeah. Well, you know, as you might expect, she's not very impressed with it when she gets there. No. But as they headed off to the pits, Rainbow Bright came back to the colour castle and the colour kids were delighted to see her because there's a shortage of colour crystals and they haven't seen Twink all afternoon. And they just left it at that. They didn't go looking for him, which is something we've picked up on before, that they seem pretty helpless when Rainbow's not there. The colour kids are useless when she's not there. They don't seem to have anything approaching initiative any of them could have gone up to the colour codes to look for him because that's where they knew he was last headed. Yeah, they could have done, but they didn't. Well, Rainbow and Starlight head up to the colour caves to see if they can find Twink. And uh, because it doesn't occur to them that stealth might be useful, they come shouting around, mm. which they... gives Count Blog the opportunity to grab Twink and take him away. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they have no idea that things are as badly wrong as they are. No. That's very true. Well, they see the sprites are working, but they won't explain what's going on. Starlight figures out that something is not right. And eventually the sprites realise that Count Blog has gone. So they tell Rainbow what happened. And uh, Count Blog, rather like Murky, hasn't really thought things through at this point because he's left the sprite behind. Mm that he told the other sprites he turned into a frog. So if anyone should discover that sprite, that will blow the whole gaff. And indeed they do find that sprite who is able to explain what happened. Describes the wizard with a big white beard. Apparently the only wizard that Rainbow knows with a big white beard is Count Blog. Mm. Well, as ever, Rainbow Bright is quite quick on the uptake. She is, and she rapidly realises that it must be the princess. Mm -hmm. And if she's in Rainbow Land, then that is a big problem. I think that the princess is one of the few villains we've seen that can believably cause a lot of damage deliberately to Rainbow Land. Yes, and the only one that we've seen who, if she does have her powers back, is actually a threat to Rainbow yes. Bright. Um so there's genuine peril here. So there is actually something very badly wrong here. Well, Rainbow and Starlight go back to the Colour Castle and they take some Colour Kids into the pits where they find the princess is indeed there and has made a diamond necklace and seems to have her powers back because she stands at the window zapping rocks with her magical powers and turning them into diamonds. Mm. Yeah, she has power that just shoots out of her hands now. Yes. She does indeed. Uh, now she has a diamond necklace. She can turn other rocks into diamonds. And the colour kids are pretty scared by this. But then I think it's Buddy Blue who notices that those diamonds are turning back into rocks again. Mm -hmm. And she demands that they get more diamonds because these cheap diamonds aren't, aren't doing it for her. Rainbow is concerned because as long as the princess is in the pit, she does state again, her powers do not work in the pit, so she can't do anything. Mm. They've got to get the princess to come out. But when she hears the princess demanding more diamonds, she has an idea. And with Starlight, races back to the colour cave to beat Murky and Lurky. Well, Murky and Lurky turn up at the colour caves and rush in demanding more diamonds. And the sprites seem remarkably cooperative. Yes. They disappear into the back of the cave and they come out with two large crates with diamonds drawn on the side of them. That's how you know it's diamonds. That's how you know it's diamond. Absolutely. 
And so Murky and Lurky load up the crates and rush back to the pits with them. At which point Rainbow and Starlight emerge and say, well done, all the sprites giggle, so something is going on here. Back at the pits. These are some very colourful looking diamonds, aren't they? Yes. Um, I think that, that we said, uh, was it earlier on on the previous episode, that the colour crystals we saw were faded to pastel colours in the animation? It was at the odd. beginning of this one, which seemed odd at the time. Yeah, well, now these ones are a bit brighter and she makes herself another necklace and studs a couple on her, her crown and in her hair. I do think it's surprising how she goes quickly from a bundle of loose gems to a piece of fine jewellery. Now, I watch quite a few you know, videos on TikTok and various places and taking a rough gem to a mounted piece of jewellery takes a lot of hard work. It's, it's not a simple thing. But somehow she can turn crystals into a beautiful necklace and she thinks they're diamonds as well. For someone who loves diamonds or claims to love diamonds as much as she does, she's not very good at identifying them. She's not, which looks especially absurd when you consider that the first person to think that they look like colour crystals is Lurky. Yeah, the, the, the guy who's been consistently shown to have no idea what's going on is the only one who recognises the problem. And, of course, no one believes him. No one believes him. Murky is like, ah, what an idiot. Look at the picture on the box. It's definitely a diamond. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we've all had that thing where the picture on the box doesn't match what's in the box. <laughs> That's always disappointing. You know, send it back, get a refund. Even Twink notices these are, in fact, colour crystals. Um but the princess has made her jewellery out of colour crystals. And it still seems to have much the same effect in that her magic zaps things and turns them into diamonds. Thereby driving the value of diamonds down in market forces. Yes, absolutely. But she heads into Rainbow Land and they have a confrontation with the princess and Rainbow Bright. Mm. And it's a bit muddled and they never explain it. And I quite like that they never explain it because it's left for us to infer that the fact that she's using colour crystals means that her magic is now not as effective and can be countered by Rainbow's colour belt. Mm. Um, unusually, Rainbow takes the colour belt off to use it this time. Yeah, I'm not sure why. And fires it at her like some kind of ray gun and it shoots a rainbow out which wraps her up. Yes, um, we've seen the rainbow do similar things before. Um, when it fought the Monstrum Arc uh, a couple of episodes ago when it caught Murky. We've seen it do that before. Um, but it, it kind of wrapped around the princess. She did the big no thing. And then the screen faded to black and she seemed to fall through space and then suddenly was back on her spaceship. It, it wasn't really clear exactly what happened. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird little bit of animation going on. And um, I've just been reading the Rainbow Bright wiki actually as well, which points out, of course, that the fact that she has colour crystals in her necklace would have meant that Rainbow's rainbow would have been amplified mm -hmm. by that. So, um, yeah, Count Blog tries to rescue her and get zapped onto the spaceship. The spaceship, incidentally, for anybody who hasn't watched this episode, is essentially just a platform with a throne on it. Mm. Um that's it, that's all it is. Uh, Count Blog gets thrown onto the throne, then the princess gets blasted onto the throne, and then Rainbow uses the rainbow to hoik the spaceship up and throw it into space again. Yeah, 
I, I found myself feeling, what's the word? It's unsettled the word, that we have this image of the princess who, I think we said before when we watched the movie that she presents as really quite teenage. She appears to be an adult woman, but she presents as like a bratty 15-year-old. But it does very much look like an adult woman is menacing a little girl. And something about that just was a bit disturbing. I mean, we know it's Rainbow Bright. Rainbow's going to save the day. But it, it was still quite disturbing. It was a little bit, yes. But, uh, but never mind, Rainbow has saved the day and all the sprites are absolutely delighted and they crowd round her and they say that she's the only queen of the sprites they'll ever have and they basically give her the bumps. They hurl her and twink up and down in the air. Oh God, do you remember they used to do that at parties in the 80s? Yes. As someone who suffered horrendous motion sickness, I think they only ever did that to me once. I don't think they ever did it to me because I probably kicked up a fuss because it is not something I would ever have enjoyed even as a child. Yeah giving somebody the bumps what a terrible idea but uh, i don't think rainbow enjoyed it very much either the animation on her face at this point is just frozen neutral they don't even have her laughing or anything because oh. at this point <coughs> twink goes oh you're the only queen of the sprites and i don't know there's just an expression on her face it's like oh my god she, <laughs> yeah. she does not look happy at all and i thought that was a real shame because of course the it zoomed in on her face but they didn't bother to animate. They didn't make her smile. She just looked very unimpressed at being bumped in the air by the sprites, which is doubly unfortunate when you consider that that is the final shot of the episode, is her being bumped in the air by the sprites looking very, very unimpressed. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode, and it's the end of the series. Mm. So what did you think of that episode? See, I like this a lot more than the other one we've looked at today. I liked that there was real peril here. Mm-hmm. I really did believe at first that he, that Count Plog had turned sprites into frogs because, hey, he's a magician, you know, why wouldn't he? We saw a magician turn Murky into a duck a couple of episodes ago. That's true, so yes. why could Count Plog, who we know has some powers, not turn a sprite into a frog? And we know that from the movie that the princess is a villain who does actually pose a threat so yes. i like this because it it had a bit of everything there was real peril there was adventure there's meeting characters we've met before yes i don't know how much of this went into the planning stages of the episodes and the transmission order but it seemed to me to be a suitable finale bring back the the big bad from the movie at the end of the series Mm. Um, and basically have that kind of confrontation. It gave Rainbow a good heroic final episode. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I thought that was quite... I I did enjoy that one. I enjoyed Horse of a Different Colour, but, yeah, this was a... This this kind of felt a bit like a finale, Mm. Um, even though I don't think it was really structured as such but it did seem appropriate for the final episode. So yeah, I, I really rather enjoyed that and I've enjoyed watching the entire series and I've enjoyed watching it with you and commenting on it with you. So thank you very oh, much for joining you. me on uh, on Robots in Your Eyes. I feel a bit sad about it because I've actually, well, I've really enjoyed it as well and I, I wish there was more. 
And I think that's something we talked about in previous episodes, that there are so many stories to be told here. Each of the colour kids could get a story. You know, there could be a lot of stories to be told still. Yeah, and I'm sure there are storybooks and all sorts of other things that went Mm. alongside the cartoon series back in the 80s, but I don't have a clue about any of that um, because, you know, we're focused on the cartoons because we're just watching telly. That's all we're doing. but yeah, there is much more to be explored on that, I think. Uh, but it was a good little collection of episodes and I'm, I'm glad we covered it. I hope everyone else out there listening has enjoyed it. Do you have any further thoughts on the series as a whole? Just that it just, it brings back memories to me of really loving something as a kid. Finding something exciting and enjoyable and something to play with and there's just an innocence to it and a sweetness to it that even as an adult I can still enjoy because it's it's cute there's a lot of it that's just really really cute and it is a lot of fun and uh now who was it who said that to try to give the appearance of being grown up is itself a very childish thing and that I think it might have been C.S. Lewis or someone like that or Tolkien or someone that actually going back and enjoying stuff that we enjoyed as children wholeheartedly is actually a very important and valuable thing and dismissing something just because it's for children and no other reason is potentially a mistake i absolutely agree with you and uh, that was really nice to hear i've enjoyed looking back at it um i enjoyed it when it was on when i was a kid uh, i haven't revisited it until we did this podcast uh, but i've enjoyed it it's i think it holds up quite nicely it is it is for kids but it's not childish no um and uh, i think it was uh, it was a good one to to see again so yeah so thank you zoe for joining me for rainbow bright thank you i hope you will join us again i'm sure i will sure we'll get you into transformers rainbow bright transformers it's not that big a leap <laughs> i mean they're brightly colored <laughs> I'm not sure it's quite the same, but I'll give it a go. (laughs) So, and uh, all that remains now is for me to thank all the rest of you for listening to Robots in Your Eyes. I have been Jason Thompson co-hosting once more with Zoe Baker. As far as Rainbow Bright is concerned, we won't be back with any more awesome animated adventuring because there is no more Rainbow Bright. But we will return for other series and we hope that you will return with us. Thank you. Now along with her magnificent horse, Starlight, and her loyal and true friends, Twink and the Color Kids. She lives far away in Rainbow Land, a wonderful place full of color and happiness. Using the power of the rainbow, her magical color belt, and the star sprinkles, Rainbow Bright and her friends protect Rainbow Land, fighting off the forces of darkness and gloom and the devious plots of Murky and Lurky so that they can bring color and happiness to people everywhere.
That was Robots in Your Eyes. You can find us on Twitter at Robots in Eyes, or you can email us at robotsineyes at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to give us a nice review and comment on the podcast app of your choice.